Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, we're telling a slightly different story. We are telling the story of somebody who was an entrepreneur, sold her business, and found herself back in a corporate role. And I felt like this was a really important story to tell as we talk more and more about midlife and the ever-changing road that we are on. And so I wanted to bring Heidi Rauch on here to tell her story and really to help inform kind of the different ways we can take an entrepreneurial background and move it into a more corporate future. So Heidi, welcome to the show. Hey, Netta. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to unpack this one with you for the reasons that I just said. We've been telling origin stories, entrepreneurial origin stories for years. This year, we just started introducing some of our expert stories. But yours is a really interesting one. And I think one that many people will find interesting from the re-entry into corporate whether they had an entrepreneurial venture or whether they're just going back to that after some break from it. So I'm excited to hear kind of how this all came to be. So why don't you start to unpack it for us a little bit? After selling your company, and we'll want you to tell us more about that, you started something called Her Agency to work with femtech brands. Why did you decide to launch an agency versus another entrepreneurial endeavor? Good question. I started an agency in order to be able to share my experience as a generalist uh, behind the scenes Mm -hmm. in building a brand and having been lucky enough to sell a brand in order to be able to provide those backend services. Um, I guess I'll I'll back up a little bit about how I got here. I went to school in Washington, D.C. and stayed and started as a bureaucrat in a diplomatic organization that's kind of like the U.N. for Latin America and worked there for 12 years and worked in the Americas and 
I have a dance background, so I was always buying lingerie and swimwear and activewear and all that from Brazil, Colombia, and putting it in my suitcase and smuggling it in, and I would resell it in the bathrooms at the World Bank. <laughs> and um, after 10 years of that, and I worked in women's health and international development job training, that kind of thing. My dad, who was also super entrepreneurial, was a lawyer, but built a roadside motel at 40 in Florida. And that was a crazy 20-year ride for my family. I was telling him, you know, about all the things I was bringing back. And he was like, oh, you should sell it on the internet. So I got this crazy idea with a college friend of of mine to launch a lingerie brand. This was Mm pre-fast fashion. And we did, and it was Give called, us a year, Heidi. When was uh, this? 2002. So okay, okay. right after 9-11, actually. So we launched okay. this brand. We brought the lace panty in from Brazil in the U.S. They did, that was new at the time. The margins were amazing. And she was the stay-at-home mom, and I was still having the full-time job. And then in 2004, left, we pivoted in the maternity mm-hmm. space and then really focused on that. She had had her first child. And we were sort of in that mompreneur generation and mm-hmm. um, ran the business for 17 years, basically. Wow. I think my story is a career goes along with lifestyle story. Yeah. We were stay-at-home moms and we were working asynchronously way before COVID. And then finally sold it to Adore Me in 2019, pre-COVID, luckily. That was really lucky. And then came on board with them to build up the maternity category for Adore Me. So that's like going from a bureaucrat to an entrepreneur to a super data-driven, best-in-class proprietary software, ROI, KPI, intense Slack 24-7 environment where I did learn a time. I was like, I'd actually never, you know, I went from politics to my own thing to this really fast-paced business. Yeah. It was great to learn. It was great to work across generations like that and um, stayed there for three and a half years. And at the time, the maternity category and my brand, Bella Boom Boom, was one of the, they started these sister brands and they had period panties and maternity. And they were also in a partnership with a major manufacturer that makes this uh, patented cooling clothing and that's become. And so we were managing ad spend and marketing and different things for the brand in the UK. And then after three and a half years there, Maternity was set up. Lots of the designers and other people in the company were having babies. I thought, you know, they could handle that. And um, this cooling clothing and menopause space, as you know, and I'm sure your listeners know as well, starting to really heat up here. And so following my lifestyle and sort of the bouncing hormone ball, I just said, let me do that instead. So that's how I got here. So Heidi, just for the sake of the listener, I want to get sort of your timeline because what we hear all the time from people is that it's a windy road, hence the name Liberty Road. Like it's a windy path to wherever we are now. So I want to kind of break it down. Post-politics, lingerie business, you survive the recession and you say, okay, we're going to pivot because your life had pivoted. You Mm -hmm. had gone into this different phase of life. So you decide to take on maternity. Maternity becomes your 17-year 
project. Yes. And you take that from startup all the way to selling that. You sell it to a company called Adore Me. Adore Me is a manufacturer as well as a, a label. Adore Me is a direct-to-consumer lingerie brand that was okay. actually just acquired by Victoria's Secret. And okay. they've sort of okay. pioneered this try-at-home model. Okay. That gives us really good context, helping us understand, like, the fact that they were purchased by Victoria's Secret. We yeah. understand sort of the level that you were dealing with in that buyout. Then, for three years, are working for whom? Who brings you back in and says, hey, we need your expertise. Adore, Adore me. me. So they bought the brand. Kept you on. Established the maternity category. And then I started to get involved in these other femtech things. Got it. Got it. Yes. So Adore Me was both the consumer facing, but also behind the scenes, they were part of developing these uh, different materials or working with manufacturers to develop these different materials that were used across different verticals. Yeah. Okay. They had sister brands and a core line they launch 200 styles a month. So they're oh really gosh. major Massive. manufacturers. And while I was there, you know, I went from, and we were pretty tech savvy in my own company and pretty asynchronous as we were both, you know, pushing the baby carriages and yeah. taxi, you know, doing, doing what you got to do. It was Blackberries back in the day. They have teams in Romania, Paris, the United States. This was slacks at all hours of the day, you know, totally yeah. different, fast paced. You don't bring anything up if you don't have a slide with data behind it, which was, you know, painful at times, but I learned a ton sure. there, which was great. And after working all of that time for yourself and developing your own habits, good and bad, of how you do business, that must have been a big learning curve. But also, I imagine because you, ran your own business, you know, we become experts at lots of things or, or pretty close to experts at lots of things when you were on yes. your own business. So you were bringing that to the table. Yes. The challenge was that I was besides the CEO or the, you know, the COO who had a broad breadth of business experience. It's a very siloed, everybody is an expert. So some of my challenges were, were that I'm seeing all the things and they're seeing these things and sometimes, you know, the detail and going really deep. And that was an interesting learning. Yeah, we can imagine the learning there. So that was for three years at Adore Me. And then after that is when you established her agency? Yeah. So when I left Adore Me and I was a full-time employee there, I, at the time I was running maternity through menopause, let's okay. call it, two brands, Bella Boom Boom and Become uh -huh. and maternity for Adore Me. And when I left, um, the manufacturer in Sri Lanka is super interesting. They've always been on my radar is kind of the gold standard. They have women in leadership. They're one of the first apparel manufacturers that had daycare on site. Wow. They're written up in all of the best practices. And so they're kind of a dream company who had also been challenged during COVID as sure. every supply chain was. And so they had launched this tech. They're also the original creators of Thanks period mm -hmm, panties. So mm -hmm. like they're a real femtech innovator. But they're really a B2B company and Becomes are actually the only brand that they've ever launched because five years ago uh, when they had this tech and it was tested and approved by, you know, scientifically proven to work and patent pending, it's now patent approved. Um, they approached all of these manufacturers that they worked with Adidas and 
all of those kinds of big players. Nobody wanted to touch menopause, but they believe so much in the tech that they launched it in the UK, where, as many of your listeners probably know, the menopause conversation's way ahead there. And so that seemed like the right market. And so now we're in the process of bringing it to the States. So her agency, it's kind of like a playground for you to be able to talk to different companies and for them to be able to Mm -hmm. hire you on a consulting basis. Yes. So because I can do all the back end, the Shopify, I'm a problem fixer, the supply chain, the packaging, the whatever. I'd say they are my main client, but I, I started the agency to be able to help people out, solve business problems. I I've been contracted by people that that I've helped talk out of launching businesses. Yeah. <laughs> I know we don't always want to hear no, that. It's important. Okay, so this is where the story gets even more interesting. Mm-hmm. So you you launch her agency, which is your own thing. So you're still kind of doing the entrepreneurial yeah. thing, but through that process and getting reacquainted mm-hmm. with the manufacturer in Sri Lanka who says, you know what, we believe in this so much that we're going to establish this as a brand in the UK. Hey, Heidi, can we bring you in to help us establish that in the United States? Is that how that story went? Yeah. So the story was that they had already existed in the UK. Mm-hmm. They got in a collaborative management agreement with Adormi while I was there. Okay. Then I left and now I'm working directly with the Sri Lankans to help grow that brand outside the UK. So you find yourself back in a corporate situation after mm-hmm. having the three years with Adormi that really probably was a, an education for you on corporate life, right? Yeah. 17 years of doing your oh, own yeah. thing. And then you've got this like three years sort of drinking from a fire hose. Like, okay, okay, I get it. I get how things need to be done. Yeah. Which is great because now you bring the expertise of both those things into these new markets. So tell us a little bit about how that technology with Become actually works for us. Because most of our listeners, as you know, are probably potential become wares. So tell us a little bit more about that. So as we tell the story, they understand what we're talking about. So they have a patented, it's called anti-flush technology because in the UK they do, they have hot flushes and we have hot flashes. How does it differ from regular active wear? So it, it's cooling, it's wicking. You know, when you get a hot flush at night, you get soaking wet. And then you get these chills again. So then it regulates, it restores your body temperature. It's also antimicrobial and antibacterial. But the real difference is not only does it cool more than others and wick, but it regulates the body temperature as well. And so we're wearing it to bed as nightwear as well as under our clothing or? It's layers. They have a lot of tops. Menopause in the workplace is a huge topic. All different kinds of tops nightwear, some underwear. They even have some active wear, leggings, sports okay. bra, daywear and nightwear. Okay. All the things, all the things. Layering pieces. All right. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I just want to say something on the hot flush. So I was just at a menopause conference a few weeks ago because midlife, because, you know, this is what right. we're doing. Because they're happening. Yes, they're happening. <laughs> and there was a doctor who made the distinction between flash and flush, not just that it was, you know, American versus uh, British or English, but he said, I'm not a woman, but I know from being married to a woman that it's not a flash. It doesn't actually last a second or two. It's something that takes over your whole body. Yes, and he talked about mm-hmm. how, from a medical point of view, 
what actually happens to our body. And so he said it really is much more appropriate for us to be calling it a flush because it's something that can take time. It's not just a perspiration. It's like internal body heat. It can be accompanied with dizziness or brain fog in a moment, not the general brain fog that we talked about. It's actually mental. Yeah. Like it's generated from the brain. And during the Super Bowl, they launched this, they started talking about a drug that, you know, works on that part of the brain. There's a lot of menopause brands in the space. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in health and beauty, and those claims are hard to make. But hot flashes, hot flushes, whatever you want to call yeah. them, is really one of the documented, yeah. recognized symptoms. We have, you know, 2,000 five-star reviews. It works. You don't have to ingest it. It's, it doesn't have all the politics with the, yeah. the hormone replacement therapy. You put it on, and you get some sort of relief. Yeah, the barriers to entry are pretty low in terms of our use of it. Yes, yeah. definitely. And there's the white space is big, which also made it attractive. Um, after maternity and the other kinds of apparel I've always been involved in are very crowded spaces. And um, menopause is not particularly this type of clothing. So that's sort of made it really interesting as well. This is the first thing I've heard in the menopause space that, as you pointed out, is not something you're ingesting or putting on your skin. So for our listener who, whether she comes from an entrepreneurial background, you know, maybe she was freelancing, maybe she took a break altogether. Um, Many Mm -hmm. took some sort of break to raise kids. What would you say was the most difficult part of re-entering the corporate scene because you were you already had more than a toe in the water like you had a full-on company and you still found it to be an interesting challenge yeah part of my challenge was that I ran my own thing I was a little bit ungovernable but in general there's the tech I mean I remember showing up at corporate in New York and like there's not a lot of water cooler talk. Like if you don't slack somebody before and you walk up to them and tap them on the shoulder, they're stunned. So like the human interaction in an office, even though everybody's supposed to be going back to work and team building, and there is much more emphasis on together time now that people have gone back and you know a lot of the younger generations need that. It's just a totally different way of communicating. And if you are in anything that has to do with SEO, e-commerce, I mean, it's all benchmarks now, right? So it's all about the numbers and that's different. I mean, if you haven't been in that kind of environment. Also, just generationally, some of the younger generations, what they expect in terms of culture is, is different. And I think any mom, any working mom, anybody coming back, you don't necessarily want to go to the happy hour. You want to go pick up your kids. So those kinds of generational challenges, I would think. But, and just the, the pace and the data drivenness in my particular case. It sounds like coming from an entrepreneurial background, there's a lot less nuance or subjectivity if everything is data driven, right? So that's interesting, even to be vision casting, like how do you do that when Everything is being compared to data, which I love data. I think data is awesome. Yeah, oh, me too. And the way, I mean, they're really amazing in the way they would, you know, fail fast and try things I certainly learned a ton about. But just a general business pontification is a lot less likely to happen because it's all very, you know, just the pace. So for me, that was 
that was different, but it was still a very informal, more startup-y environment. I can't really speak for somebody that's going to a big firm or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's interesting to me that we're hearing so much around ageist conversation with regard to corporate, but you found yourself in this really interesting situation where you had a history with the company. Mm -hmm. You were working for a brand that you were the ideal client for. In so many ways, it was like this perfect marriage. Do you think that that created more opportunity for you than it did not create opportunity? Yes. I was certainly the one of the few people that really got it or was interested in spending time on, on that particular product. Yes. And also, you know, I started the maternity company had a child, raised the child, did all, you know, all the things. And my daughter's 15 now, so I'm not really in like best of baby land anymore, although I love maternity and nursing. So part of it was me growing out of it and into another thing. On the other end, like now you're grabbing the baton, right? I mean, it hasn't been passed because this hasn't existed. Right. So you might be one of the, the first holders of it. To your earlier point, your hormone cycle has matched actually the, the work that you've been doing. Right. I've My work has always sort of accompanied my lifestyle. Yeah. In the last 20 years anyway. <laughs> I have the same thing. Liberty became Liberty Road when I was like, right. I want to tell stories about women in midlife who are doing cool things. I love that you added the road. That's super cool. Yeah, right? It just makes a lot of sense that I would say most of... I don't know what the actual percentage was, but let's call it 75% of the time I talked to people or interviewed people, something about a path or a road or a windy or something came up. And I was like, this is just not a straight line like we think it is. When you, in retrospect, go back and look, you can see how it all made sense. But in the moment, it doesn't really make sense. We're just kind of going from one thing to the next. What I am finding and really enjoying now in this midlife space, Mm -hmm. let's call it, because it's not just all about menopause, is a lot of um, women who have had totally full careers and been at the top of their game, and now they're entrepreneurs. It's been nice both as a colleague and sometimes an advisor through my agency to help them to see them as entrepreneurs for the first time and also just empathize and advise if needed. But there's really some people who have had amazing careers, but now they're launching their own businesses and it's all new again. There's so much data coming out about women in midlife launching and the success rate of that is much higher than any other demographic for Mm -hmm. having a business. And it's, it makes sense. There's experience. There's a little bit of know-how there's contacts. There's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah. But also women in midlife staying just to give your listener who's taken a pause or yeah. wants to go back in or whatever. I was listening to a, a webinar from a UK group today where, you know, they tried to pass a law for menopause in the workplace where you'd have the same kind of benefits, flexibilities as like a maternity leave. Yeah. Didn't get passed as law, but now all the private sector is very, very focused on the fact. And within the next five years, of the workforce is going to be over 50. This is women and men. Wow. How do you keep people? Is it a job share? Is it, you know, just different creative ways of thinking about working across a generation? Do you split a job? I think we're headed towards 
some new ways of thinking yeah. that would benefit people trying to get back in again. I think that with so many things like that that are changing, mm-hmm. we can almost look back at COVID and say that it accelerated some of these conversations because we had to figure out how to be efficient from home, which was a very different yes. narrative than it used to be. It used to be that it wasn't possible. It was too distracting. Right. And now we're like, mm, actually, we were able to get some stuff done now from home. it's expected. Yeah. And so I think a lot of those things have been propelled forward in terms of how we think about work, how we think about efficiency, how we think about lifestyle, people leaving. I know here in LA, people are like, I'm out of here. I don't want to pay this rent anymore, this mortgage anymore. If I can hang on yeah. to my my job, you know, I'm I'm heading to Nashville or whatever. So it'll be interesting how that impacts all these other things like menopause or midlife. And also um, just in the way of getting back in again, if you do a job search now on LinkedIn, there is so many remote possibilities, yeah. which, you know, might be able to ease the re-entry for a lot of people. Okay. We're getting, we're getting off topic. I, th- I feel like we could go down that road for a while, but go yeah. back to become for a second. Having had your experience and we've talked about it, um, both entrepreneurial and corporate, what appealed to you about going back into corporate? You had an agency, you could have been continuing on a fractional basis. What appealed to you about going back into a corporate setting? Was it the product? Mm-hmm. Was it the company? It is the product. It's a lot of things. Let me clarify. I am on a fractional basis. Oh, you are? With, for them. Okay. Um, I work for them and I do work for, I have a few other clients as well. Explain to our listener who doesn't understand fractional what that means, because mm-hmm. this is genius. I thought they hired you out of the agency, but you're still essentially hired as her agency Yes, because they're based in Sri Lanka, because they have a Got pretty it. intense corporate culture. It just makes more sense for me to to have that flexibility with them. Um, working fractionally, and it can be on any, it can be a, a CMO, a COO, right. there's even fractional CEOs. It's that you get the expertise of um, somebody who's seasoned but not at a full-time basis, which makes it easier for companies, especially startups, because oftentimes startups have founders and then startups have CEOs and CMOs and like how to fund all that gets pretty cumbersome, especially in this crazy environment now with everything that's happening with the banks. There's so many things that make you Mm -hmm. perfect for this role. There's something very particular about how menopause is opening the door for us to consider midlife in a new way. And, you know, I like to say here, okay, menopause, we got to get our, got to get our heads around that. If we feel like we're not our full selves, our whole selves, it's hard to bring that partial self into whatever new endeavor. Um, But there's more than menopause. There's more than fine lines and wrinkles. There's more. So for us to be embracing this season and to be talking about what are we going to be able to do in it? How are we going to be able to show up in it? What are those dreams and desires that perhaps we hadn't been able to pursue that maybe we now have time for? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that for a second. Like, how did you feel about, okay, I want this to be my next move? Because you've done all the things. Like, what appealed to you about this besides the product? I know how passionate you are about that. There's a lot of politics in menopause. Mm-hmm. I mean, like anything about women's bodies, how you get pregnant, how you feed your baby, mm-hmm. how you get you know, all of those things. So there's a lot of that, which makes it 
compelling in some ways to interesting to watch it shake out. It's a little bit like the Wild West. Yeah. There's also just a bunch of really amazing women talking about it. Michelle Obama's talking yeah. about it. Drew Barrymore, you know, they're all talking yeah. about it, which is is exciting. A friend gifted me the uh, Michelle Obama book tour. It was the la- the end of the tour was Oprah interviewing her. And they both talked mm-hmm. about their HRT experience. And I was like, wow, look at that. I mean, just, you know, yes. thousands and thousands of people in this stadium. And they were like, we we needed it. This is what we did. They just came clean about it. It was no, there was no skirting the yes. issue. And I was really interested and intrigued. And I think it's because the information is a little bit all over the place. In Japan, they refer to menopause as the second spring. Many people do also talk about once you're past it um, and sort of rebranding. It's not like the old crone. It's sort of like all of a sudden you're clear again. That's the vibe that I get from what I think you're excited about yeah. is like the new horizons, the other things that you can take on and for sure. And really, you know, not giving a damn. <laughs> yeah. We're like, who cares anymore? What you're talking about with the science, this conference that I went to, they had a woman who was um, literally a brain scientist. Like she maps the brain, looks at it and she showed four kind of cross-sectional views of the brain. And it was the young teen brain developing. It was the 20s, 30s brain, which had all, everything was firing. Everything was red and hot Mm -hmm. and it was like, everything was going on. And then the perimenopausal brain, which literally the lights were out. Like (laughs) there was none of these red segments. Then she showed menopause, you know, which we know is just a day essentially. And then it's everything Mm -hmm. post-menopause. And all the lights were coming on again. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, why don't we know this? Why don't we understand this? I love that the the Japanese call it a second spring. That That is exactly how it should be um, cast, I believe, because it's true. Not just because it's a nice spin on things, but I think because mm-hmm. it's true. We, we have our history, we have all that knowledge, we have all that wisdom, and how do we make decisions about the way we want to spend the rest of our time and how we want to impact the world and who we want to serve, all of that. Yes. And this whole longevity piece, people are living longer, all of that. The longevity piece is so connected to curiosity and purpose. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not reinventing ourselves to some degree, I hesitate with that word a little bit because it sounds like we're out with the old and we have a lot to bring to the table. Let's talk about that for a little bit. I've heard a lot of women at this age talk about not just what they want to do, but what they don't want to do. There's sort of clarity about the direction that they might want to move and the boundaries they're they're putting around that. How did you approach this? I'm sure you had a sense of, I don't want to go down this path again, or I don't want to do this again. And there were some guardrails around that. How did you approach that when you took on this new role at Become? You have to sort of figure out where you can contribute the the most and um, try to, you know, bring that value. But just in terms of, you know, work-life balance and things like that as well. Like I'm, I knew I wasn't going to dive back into corporate and right. go report to an office. So some of it is trying to create a structure that, you know, you can do the work and and support yourself, but within certain parameters, this is a very opportune moment, yeah. I think, to be able to to get your feet wet. And 
I mean, yeah, there's challenges, you know, do you put dates on your resume? Do you, you know, there's, there are challenges for sure. How do you tell this story? I get a lot of you're overqualified Mm -hmm. for certain things, which is why I'm in this kind of fractional situation. If you have the experience to put yourself in a fractional situation to really be in, you know, a subject expert in something or even a generalist, you give yourself the protection of being an agency that's hired out. There are some sort of boundaries built in just just in that setup. Right. But right. you're not you're not working directly for the, the corporation. If extra is needed, I can bring I have yeah. a team that, you know, we can bring in to handle. I'm so glad that we're telling your story because I think it's a really interesting one for a lot of people to consider. And I should just say, you're still when we talk about her agency, people are still able to contact you and ask you for expertise and and right. I'm correct in saying yes. that. Okay, so we'll make sure that yes. uh, your URL and all of that is accessible in the show notes so people can reach out to you. What would your advice be to a woman uh, who thinks that maybe her time has passed, whether it's corporate, whether it's starting an agency, whether it's entrepreneurial? You know, I can understand this sort of from a technological or systems yeah. point of view, you could think that. And so, yes, you might need to learn something new. But also, what is it that you like to do? Do you like to talk to people? I mean, there's a massive amount of customer service and support work out there that's not just like answering a telephone. There's so many services around well-being and women's health and different kinds of things that I think you could find purpose with. Some of them are local. You know, I I keep seeing so many businesses that are like local services and helping people. I'm speaking much more in the health and wellness area now. I think really just to go back to the basics and then there's ways to level up or get a little bit of experience and get your foot back in the door. It is hard. And I, everything that I've been referring to is really like in the lifestyle realm still, but there's a lot of, I mean, again, I I have always come from a, a help and a health and wellness element, but even aging in place, whether there is a massive amount of services and innovations coming around how we care for our parents, how yeah. they live, how they have brain health. I'm not trying to suggest that, well, you go and you, you know, work for older people because you're older now, but there's a lot of really amazing innovations around that. And I I just think there's a lot of opportunity and that's totally relatable, you know, or like maybe you're in a, maybe somebody's had a sick person in their family and they unfortunately learned more than they cared about healthcare, or maybe they're struggling with elder care right now, which is a massive problem in this country. And they've learned there's a lot of really innovative things out there. I had never considered that, how we think about our role in that next. Right. You've had this lived experience. You've had user experience. That's what all of these makes all companies tick now. So what if, what do you have the most recent user experience? And I would say sometimes you'd never know. There might be an opportunity there. That's great, Heidi. 
Thank you for that. I, that's that's fresh uh, advice. We haven't heard that yet. Thank you for that. Um, before we let you go, I want to get into our fast five. So what's a daily practice that you do just to stay grounded? Counterintuitive, but I am a bath in the morning person. It's like my Xanax. That's great. And counterintuitive because <laughs> most of us do our bath like it's a wind down. Most people are showering yeah. and like revving up. and But for me, it's like the meditation. Yeah. I like it. And then what are you currently reading right now? I wish I could say I'm reading some fascinating novel, but (laughs) I'm reading industry news all the time. There's so much going on in, in femtech and, and, um, yeah, fertility and endometriosis and all of vaginal microbiomes and all these things that I'm literally reading femtech news all the time. Is that an area that your agency wants to stay focused on? It's called Her Agency. Those are my initials, Heidi Elizabeth Rauk. Ah, There are a lot of platforms out there that say H-E-R. So I am very focused on anything that's women's health and wellness or what we call femtech. That's awesome. That's sort of what makes me tick. Not just clothing, but services as well. Well, it makes sense that you're, that's what you're reading on a daily basis. Yeah. And there's so much going on. Bath aside, mm-hmm. how do you relax? How do you unwind? Um, I like to go for walks. Sometimes it's the only time I talk to my daughter or my husband. We have, I'm in Washington, DC. We have an amazing yeah. park that's like walking in the woods. You mentioned that you have a daughter. What, what do you want her to know about midlife? How do you want to prepare her for this season or stage of life? It's cool. I think that they're going to be infinitely more prepared. I think that we'll talk about it more, but you know, maybe wear the sunscreen, lift the weights, eat a little bit more protein, (laughs) but don't be afraid of it. And then uh, I'm going to ask this question around both your work with Become, but also your work with her agency. How has that work really liberated you um, as a person, as a woman? I am really enjoying an opportunity to get to know people that are my generation um, again, Mm. which hasn't been the case for quite a while. It's very freeing to just have so many peers that are in the same phase. It's so nice to be having conversations with women who are kind of up against the same things, but also seeing the same light at the end of the tunnel. And um, I appreciate so much you bringing that to us. Heidi, thank you for being on the show. So appreciate oh, having you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. I love your I love your podcast. I'm a big fan. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And Heidi, I should ask, Become is, it's available online. It's available online. That's becomeclothing.com. Awesome. So we'll include that in the show notes. Thank you, Liberty listeners, for hanging out with the two of us. We appreciate you guys. And we'll be back here next week. Take care. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower.